This is Rugger Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report, joined happily by Pat Clifton from Rugby Today. Pat, who wasn't able to be on our last show because um, he had some club stuff he had to deal with, as we all do. And, of course, by Bruce McLean and... We also have a special guest today, and before we get to our special guest, uh, Pat, happy to have you back on the show. Happy to be back. I just, uh, truth be told, hate everyone from Australia, and I didn't want to talk to that guy. So. Oh, well, of course. that That's always true. Actually, it was, uh, that was an interesting show, um, talking, uh, you know, sort of breaking down some of the approaches that the Brumbies have and, and talking about how they address fitness to the specifics of things like... Um, trying to avoid having your calves get too tight. Um, uh, Bruce, what did you think of that? You know, obviously there's a, a level of detail, but it, it pretty much is the similar stuff that's in Gray Cook's um, Athletic Body and Balance book. It's, and, and, and it's the functional stuff that the guy, the football coach, the strength coach at Stanford uses. I think they were, uh, they were great, but it was almost like they were trying to put take that as their own. I mean, that stuff's been around for ages and it's fine to say, this is what we're doing, yeah. which is good. And you still, you still need someone to teach you to do it. But, right. Yeah. Good. But well, the, well, they, I mean, Nick Lee is great. Yeah. And I'm sure Stephen Walcom's great. I, you know, I think they're going to be fantastic. So be good. 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 Yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, just a reminder that uh, Rugged Matrix is brought to you by Aircraft Chartered Solutions, and uh, check out our ad on GolfRugbyReport.com. We do have a special guest this time. It is the USA Men's 15s National Head Coach, Mike Tolkien. And Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Good to be back on. And Mike, uh, we're, we're talking to you because we have uh, a big, long list of things that you're going to have to be doing. Uh, on the field, I know you've been busy through the summer, uh, into the fall, uh, looking for players and, and evaluating players and communicating with players. But uh, you've got the ARC coming up, plus four test matches uh, in November. So uh, between now and the end of the year, you have seven big matches that you're going to be taking care of. Um, and then suddenly, lo and behold, we're in a World Cup year just right after that. Uh, so it's a big fall for you and and i guess right uh right in front of you is the arc um and we talked about that a little bit uh uh for a report that i was doing but um if you could sort of repeat some of the things you said to me which was that you weren't really looking to find too many new young future prospects in the ARC this year, because this year is really about next year, about the World Cup. Yeah, that's right, Alex. It's, um, you know, people have asked or want to know, you know, what is the approach to the ARC? And my answer to them is that it's different every year um, as you move up in, in towards the World Cup. You know, that first year afterwards, it's kind of a clearinghouse, and we're looking at young players and really trying to establish a base and find any prospects. Uh, second year, it's a little bit of a mix. You know, we want to get our domestic guys um, some good competitive games, high performance level, 
and keep the young guys coming through. And then as we get to that this final year of the ARC, of course, they won't have one next year. Um, you know, it, it's getting our domestic guys as many high-level games as we can uh, and then mixing in some good prospects that we found over the last few years from the All-Americans, from the under-20s. Um, but, of course, you know, it, it's a flip-flop from that first year. And then after the World Cup, you know, that'll continue again. You know, I mean, piggybacking off that, um, you know, one of the guys who maybe in another year would be, uh, you know, a shoe-in for the ARC is a guy like Mike Lawrenson, who graduated from Kutztown, was a multi-year All-American, um, goes and plays in the ITM Cup for a little while and is Eagle eligible. Um, in, in most other years, you probably would jump at the chance to have that guy in the ARC lineup, but you just happen to be pretty uh, rich and deep in second rows right now, and he might be uh, on the outside looking in when it, when it comes to – just, just based on timing. That's right. Uh, Mike was really impressive in the All-Americans. Um, he was even impressive in the seventh tournament uh, down in Philly. And, um, you know, I, I got to see him play in person and speak to him, and he's, he's a fine young man. Uh, and he, he, he'll work his way in, but you're right. You know, had this been three years ago, he may have been in a shoe-in. But now, uh, you know, we're real competitive for, for guys winning spots on the full team and, and show them what they can do in, in the spot that we have some depth in. I just want to get some clarity on a guy like him because he's a residency guy. He doesn't hold an American passport, but he was here for three years. And the rule, correct me where I'm wrong, is you're here for three years and you don't leave for more than 30 days at a time during those three years. Well, then you're you're all of a sudden eligible. He was, he did that, got his eligibility, but then went to New Zealand. He, had he stayed in New Zealand for beyond 30 days, is there a, t- a time of, even though he hadn't gotten an eagle cap, does he – stand to lose a guy like him, his eligibility, because he's gone for so long, even after that initial three-year period? No, he would have been, he would have been fine. Um, he got his eligibility, um, and he would, have, he would have been playing professionally down there. Um, and we would, have, we would have brought him back uh, anyway before, before any significant time had, had gained, but he would, he would have been fine because he gained his eligibility. Now, jump, jumping in on that, Mike, uh, the, the the rules for international eligibility, one of them being that you declare for a specific country and you have to play, if you play in a test match, if you play in the Sevens IRB series, that that counts as you declaring for your country. Um, and and uh, the ARC counts too because it's your A-side against other national team A-sides. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And I think so, I think that Wales had included their under twenties program. Right. I don't know if, if you, they still did that, but they they did that. But that that's generally what you said is correct. And I think that's because if you don't have an A side, you can designate your under twenties as your A side. But um, the USA has an A side, so that's what you do. Um, do you ever look at a player and think I need to get him? Uh, declared, or I need to get him a cap, um, and, I, and I'm not saying that you're giving a cap to someone who doesn't deserve it, but um, maybe you'd prefer to wait, or you might have waited uh, six months for a guy, but he might get a pro contract, or he might. Uh, you want to lock someone in, like you might want to lock a, a guy in who is just to make sure that he chooses the United States at some point. Do you ever feel that pressure? Oh sure. I mean, I, I think that I don't I don't think we feel it here as as much as some other countries uh, do, where it's a little bit more competitive. Um, 
but we we definitely would have instances where a guy could use a little more time, but we, we fast-track him a little bit. hasn't happened too often, but there, there's definitely times where that, that presents itself for sure. I was actually a little bit surprised on Lawrenson because I didn't know that that was, that once he has his eligibility that he had it. I was, I was scared if he had played the two games in in New Zealand, then he loses it and he has to go back to square one. So that's that's good news on that front. Mike, going into the ARC and and the All Blacks and the and the tour, how many players do you think are gonna factor in over the course of that say seven game time period? Because that's about what it is. A straight seven game time period and then as you move into the following year, what are you looking to pare it down to? To see, you know, you got to start settling on your team, and what are you looking to pare it down to? And I have the follow-up question is: the interesting people that are going to come eligible just after the end of the fall internationals, um, Al McFarland and Adj McGinty being two. And depending on whether or not he gets on the radar screen, Charlie Ballerera at uh, at Metropolis, Charlie Bill Williams. But he's got a couple of difficult things that he's got to deal with. But eligibility-wise, that does throw something into the wrench because they are eagle caliber, but they're they're really, really very going to be very new to the system. Throw something into the wrench. What does that mean? That means that I screwed up in my verbiage, which is not unusual because my verbiage isn't that big. I'm going to write that down. I only read sports books up until the time I was 14, so I don't really, I'm not really that great with words. All right, I'm going to I'm going to try to remember where you started that question, but I believe it was uh, the number of players in, included in the seven games to begin with. Um, well, we'll have 26 going to the ARC, so we have those guys, and of that group, there'll probably be a significant amount who will be joining the squad uh, for the All Blacks and or the, the European leg. And, um, you know, as you, as you get into the All Blacks and European leg of the, of the, uh, the tour, it's going to become a little, bit more, um, a little bit more challenging, and actually some of that is still up in the air because... Uh, you know, we, we still have to wait on the release of our premier players, the premiership players. And, you know, that's something that we're waiting a final word on. So, you know, that's, that's something that's being done uh, from Nigel Melville and working with the premiership. So, you know, that, that could add, you know, who's available, who's not. Um, we're hoping everyone is, but that's something right now that's not in my hands. So, you know, Bruce, it could be, you know, it could wind up being as many as 35 to 40 players involved, you know, in total. Um, so we'll just have to wait a couple of weeks and see what transpires. And then uh, a little bit like we did last autumn when some guys couldn't commit to the whole tour because of jobs, um, you know, we wound up uh, mixing and matching for certain legs and it worked out. Uh, but, you know, the, as I say, the devil's in the details and, as soon as we know exact, then we'll start working on who will fill in. Uh, I was so gonna, that's not a whole lot different than your experience, say, even in coaching domestic Super League rugby or whatever, is that when you go through that course of a season, especially with the jobs and the other nonsense that comes around, 
you generally wind up having to play, I don't know, 32 to, to 35 guys factor in significantly over the course of the season. So it's not something you haven't been at least had a, a, a long experience with different level understood, but definitely it's not something you haven't dealt with you basically your whole life. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that we, you know, you, you're always making adjustments for and, and staying ready for. And I think the, uh, the, the, the challenge was originally, you know, going back to, say, 2012, was finding the depth to do it. You know, I remember that first autumn tour of 2012 where I think we, you know, we played Fry and Pittman just about every minute of that tour in the front row. Um, because we had Wallace and Finoglio who were just on the squad and really green, and um, we just got them a couple minutes' time. And, uh, you know, there were some others like that, you know, who played a significant amount of time because we just didn't have the depth. And, you know, you're continuing to, to try to find new depth, but at least now we do know we have guys who can step in and, and do a job. Uh, you know, in the summer we were, we were on our third uh, fly half with Shalom, and uh, he did he did great filling in for Toby and for uh, Sid. So you know we're starting to get that depth, and that helps a lot. And and being prepared for that, and like you said, you know doing it for years and years, um, and just continually building that pool. Toby Lestrange, I own a backs coach with Billy O'Connell. Good stuff. First practice <laughs> today. Oh boy. Is, uh, so what, what is Toby's timeline? Is he is he back? Um, Toby is back in the States. He had the screw removed from, from his leg and, um, you know, he'll be starting rehab soon. Uh, you know, he, he's into it already, but he'll be, he'll be jacking it up a little bit. So he is, uh, you know, he's coming into, oh, into the final stages, but moving towards that, that final stage of recovery. So, you know, he, he wouldn't be ready for, for this autumn, but, uh, you know, he's making good progress. Siddle's obviously have... back playing with, with old blue. While we're on the the topic of fly half, now this is kind of uh, my weird uh, obsession that I've been having for a while. But you know, with the the new Olympic loophole and, and and with guys being talked about, you know, if they haven't been capped within the last three years with the, with their previous country, now being able to switch allegiances. People are talking about Stefan Armbridge playing with France or George Smith playing with Tonga or whatnot. What about Ronan O'Gara coming to play for the Eagles? <laughs> I obviously um, meant that in a jocular fashion, but uh, yeah, so thank yeah, you for yeah. laughing. But uh, <laughs> there aren't any Eagles guys. There aren't any, you know, that's something that a lot of people have talked about around the international rugby world. But are there any guys that uh, have flown under the radar that, that that would actually apply to that loophole? Not at the moment, um, you know, in terms of getting guys back playing sevens and then going into 15s. Um, so not at the moment. But, you know, we, we keep our eyes open, and if, if – anything works out it's worth pursuing we'll certainly get after it so we we have uh siddle back uh available for selection uh yeah. you have you have suniula you're waiting on uh lestrange um you're going to be um presumably looking at maybe one or two new people for or, or one or two other players for the arc is that a situation that you're in pretty much through the squad the idea that you've got, you know, I've got one and I've got two and maybe I've got three and maybe there's somebody in the wings, but I've got a, you know, I've got one little piece to look for. 
Yeah, I, you know, if I understand your question correctly, you know, it, it's filling in filling in spots for this ARC team. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's um, feel pretty good, you know, about most positions. Um, I think when we get down to the back to the back three players, um, you know, you have a lot of overlap with the sevens. So a lot of that talent that you might otherwise use will be committed to going to the Gold Coast and the Sevens program. So, you know, you don't have full access to those guys. So I think when you get to the back three, that's where we have a little bit of um, a little bit of a, a problem uh, in getting, a, in getting the, the depth that we want. So that, that, that's, that's been an issue. And the other thing is, you know, adding to that, I just think, um, and you and I have spoken about this before, is I think in a lot of cases still, you know, um, that the players are just thrown out onto the wing. They're fast. Um, they're not really taught the skills. And a lot of time it's, you know, with clubs, it's because there's limited time to do so. You know, you might be having a couple practices a week. You might be working extra time with your scrum halves, your hookers, your fly halves. And you just don't necessarily get to the, to the back three skills. Um, and you have raw, you could have, you tend to have the fast guy, the guy who has the wheels, who's green. So, you know, it, there's a lot of challenges in those back three while they're good athletes. Um, they tend not to have a lot of training for the most part. Do we have to uh, talk about the, the real factor behind this? The fact that 99.8% of rugby coaches in America are former front row guys and that they essentially want the wings to not drop the ball and to shut up and go over there. <laughs> yeah, that could, Maybe. Be, that could be a root cause there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ju just a reminder, we're, we're here with uh, Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. I'm Alex Goff. We've got our guest, Mike Tolkien, Eagles head coach. Uh, we're talking about the future here coming up, uh, the ARC. Uh, just a quick look at this schedule. Uh, being held at West Hill Stadium in Langford, beautiful, beautiful Langford, British Columbia, which is a artificial turf rugby-specific stadium right next to uh, the Rugby Canada headquarters, the building that extends out to be the Rugby Canada headquarters in BC. It's a pretty nice setup there. Uh, October 11th, uh, the USA plays Argentina Jaguars in the afternoon. And then October 15th, it's Canada A at 8 p.m., um, if it's anything like last time, it'll be very cold, um, difficult game to play. And then an afternoon game on October 19th against Uruguay. Um, looking at that, Mike, uh, last year, I, I think everybody would, would agree that the USA team played very well. And uh, I think more than any game, the, the game against Canada, I mean, you dominated that game and won it quite convincingly uh, and, and, it, and, and, and surprised some people. Finishing second, two and one, do you target a winning record in this? Do you target uh, we want to finish first or second, or is it still sort of a development, let's develop this team kind of event for you? Well, I think, you know, I, I think what, we, what we've um, evolved into with the Eagles and our approach has been process-driven. It's... You know, let's win our lineups, let's win our scrums, let's win our rucks, let's play sound defense, and you know, doing those things at a time. And if we if we can do those well and properly, and can, most importantly consistently, then we we feel that we'll get results. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly we felt good about where we finished last year, and you know, we we want to build on that. You know, we have 
as good, if not better, a squad of players. So we want to we want to build on how we finished last year. I think what we the way we started against Argentina, first 15, 20 minutes, you know, guys were a little shell shocked at the speed, um, and then finally things settled down. And at, and by the end of that game, we were putting some significant pressure on them. Um, we really spent a lot of time deep in their end and really, you know, doing a lot of good stuff and putting pressure on. So, you know, we want to come out a little bit more prepared uh, in that in that first 15, 20 minutes, settle in more quickly, um, you know, and, and then uh, hopefully that, that this group of guys can play uh, a similar manner or better to the way we did last year. Well, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I felt like there are a bunch of players who sort of jumped up and said, pick me, pick me. And I, I thought that uh, Danny Barrett, who's kind of an up-and-down player in some ways, uh, broke open that Canada game with this try out of nowhere, which is exactly the sort of thing he's done in the past. And and uh, somebody like Tai Tui Samoa, we didn't really know what he could do. And now he's a professional playing in London Scottish. And we really saw him sort of do some good things in that. And guys, uh, uh, Pat and Bruce, I don't know if there was anybody... Um, Pat, I know you were touting Tim Mop in the whole time, so... Um, probably that, but uh, I don't know if there's anybody that you uh, thought to sort of jumped out from that tournament, if you remember. I mean, Denny Barrett's, uh, you know, the stiff arm heard around the world was kind of the, um, you stole the show. Um, but he, I mean, I, I thought Nick Wallace played pretty well, if I'm remembering the series um, right. And, uh, you know, Tim Oppen did, you're right. He, that was kind of his coming out party. And, and I was, uh, um, I'm on the record of being skeptical whether or not he's going to be an international wing, and I was turned out to be dead wrong. Um, but I'm you teasing know, you. Say, I know, you had, I know. You had you had very reasonable and fair skepticism. And, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think you hit the, I hit the I think you hit the nail on the head with those guys um, um, for sure. And you know that was kind of the first time. You know, I don't know off the top of my head sitting here unprepared to, to, to say it, but that was kind of the first time in a while we'd gotten a lick on Canada. Um, and uh, it was pretty refreshing to see at that moment. I think another guy that, that really made a big step in that tournament was Cam Dolan. Um, Cam, uh, you know, the year before he was hurt and he played limited time and he really stepped up another level too. You know, in that one, and like you said, Ty and Danny Barrett, um, they did they did great work. You know, uh, they really showed themselves. Um, so, who, what so type is of it, players they were? Is it less so much? Uh, let's bring you know, Joe Blow that nobody's heard of, and here he is, and he's going to come and just explode onto the scene. So much as a guy we've seen a little bit. Um, and that person takes a giant step forward or, or figures something out over the last year. Or somebody like, you know, somebody we haven't seen in a while, like Sean Pittman, might be able to come back and, and just show that he can play again. That's the value yeah. of this. I think, I, I think it, 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 what, what we've done a little better as a, an entire organization is we've streamlined a little better, made our selection process a little better so that, the under 20s and all Americans are identifying players better, you know, like a Lawrence and um, a Nate Brakeley, players like that. And, um, you know, that, I'm sorry, a, uh, not, not Nate, Nate was a couple of years ago. Um, ben Landry, um, the other lock. 
And, you know, we're identifying guys who might be ready to make the next move to get to the ARC. Uh, maybe they spend two years there and continuously make the move. So, you know, that first year we had a bunch of raw players, no names, and a couple of them, you know, stepped up, Nick, uh, Nick Wallace and Graham Harriman. Um, the next year we added some more experienced players and identified guys up through the ranks. So they were a little more hand-picked. And, and then this year, you know, we have a mix of, of veterans and, again, young guys like, you know, say a, a Ben Pinkelman could be there uh, and, th- and those types of players. So I think we're doing that better in, in hand, identi- identifying carefully and monitoring together players who should move up. Pinkelman, you mentioned him, so I want to ask about him. Yeah, he seems a bit smallish for a second row at that next level, but that's where he's kind of playing the age grade system. Is he, you think he projects out to be more of a back row guy than a second row guy? Uh, who is that, Pat? Pinkelman. Uh, Pink. Pinkelman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pinkelman wouldn't be a second row. Yeah, not internationally. He, he's definitely a back rower. I thought the best thing about the last ARC was the fact that guys learned how to win. And in that, you were able to take some of those guys and, and, and probably more than you expected and perform relatively well against the Maori and in almost in such a way that it had to be somewhat disappointing to lose because you kind of had them on the ropes a few times and then just didn't close it out. Um, and I know that I know that you want to bring a lot more power and directness to the game because that, that seems to be what has worked, especially as teams tend to fan out on you and, and you're really taking a little bit of more directness and, you know, in, in, in your own words and, copied from millions of people is earn the right to go wide earn you know or or in bailey's terminology if you kick the front door in what the hell are you doing going through the back window just keep going going in the front door and how do you see the team i think bruce you know i think early on um you know we were playing we were playing trying to play an ambitious game and um i think i think the systems were good but they were a little Number one, they were a little more ambitious than our skill set that we had to play that. And secondly, we were kind of taking away what we do well. Um, you know, you hear a lot of talk about, you know, hey, you know, Americans, uh, you know, they just bash and that's it. And, you know, uh, you know that, but the one, something, something that we do really well. I and mean, we're physical. Teams know it. And they have to stop it. You know, of course, we want to we want to enhance our ability to play different dimensions of the game. You know, we want to we want to have good hands, good decision making, play under pressure, be able to deliver. But you know, our bread and butter is physical. We have physical, strong guys. We have very good athletes. People expect it. We do it well, and when we do it well, you know, we we are effective. So I think to take that part of our game away is ridiculous. You know, and. We started getting doing that, and, and we've had better results. And again, you know, when when we go forward effectively with power, uh, with strength, and get on a roll, you know, then things start to open up a bit. So, you know, getting back a little bit into that style of playing, and, and again, not trying to be one-dimensional. We want to have several ways that we can play and several options, but I think that has to be a, an integral part of our game. And I, I want to follow up with that question. I think that one. Playing through like a solid defense because if you play a solid defense, they'll 
they'll tend to make mistakes. And if you can capitalize on those mistakes, you tend to be playing seven or eight on three as opposed to off a steady first phase or second, you know, re regular first phase stuff. You're playing against 15 committed defenders who are marking you up and who practice doing that all the time. It's difficult to practice a transition defense if your defense can stifle a team and either force them to kick so that you can counter well or force them to make a mistake where you can turn that mistake into points or, or at least territorial pressure. And I think that's where you're going with things. And then the other, the, the, the second part of this question, probably not the easiest one to, or at least not, not the most pleasant one to answer is how do you plan on turning some of that into points? Cause we, we, still need to see, I think, as a team, more tries because that'll give us a little bit of breathing room to be able to play without that tension of the game's in the balance, the game's in the balance, the game's in the balance. And I know it's international rugby, but that does get to be stressful for yeah, yourself and you know, and everybody else on the field. The tries things, you know, I think is coming. You know, we scored five against Canada, four against Japan, um, Scotland, nothing. Uh, you know, we had we had one called back, um, and that wasn't a, you know that that game wasn't a big offensive display by anyone, but especially us. And going back to Uruguay, I think we had I think we had five before that, and then three. So you know, it's not like we haven't been scoring tries, which was the case last summer where we weren't. You know, we, our offense was stifled, and we readdressed things. So we are we are scoring, try, we are putting tries down. Um, going back to what you were saying, though, about the, the close uh, margins, we we we've had gaps in our games where we've let down concentration or let let up the big play. You know, we've we've been making some big plays, but you know, a one-on-one -on -one tackle from a box kick that would have put them on their forty isolated. You know, we we let go, and all of a sudden they're on our 40 on the front foot. Um, you know, a, a drop ball, you know, in, in on our 50, all of a sudden scrum middle of the field. So Canada, we had seven minutes before halftime of letting in three tries. I think we were we were on our way on front foot to really putting a gap and, and putting a good dent in that game, and we had that six, seven-minute gap against Japan, first 10 minutes of the second half. We came out, we let up two tries, two push-in tries. Um, so what we're working hard on is avoiding those gaps in plays. So when we do get some momentum, we're not just easing back into it. Looking ahead for the Eagles, uh, this is the Rocket Matrix America show uh, brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions, and we're talking with Mike Tolkien, the Eagles head coach, uh, following after the ARC. We've got the all, as everybody knows, we've got the All Blacks at Soldier Field, November 1st. Uh, huge crowd expected there. Uh, should be very interesting to see how that goes. Um, and then, uh, Mike, you've got a week uh, until you play another game. Uh, you go all the way to Romania, play Romania at uh, the National Stadium in Bucharest. Uh, which is a great stadium, a great setting there. Um, uh, you played there before, played there a couple of years ago, won fairly handily at the time. 
Uh, a week after that, you play Tonga. Um, I don't have a location for that. Maybe you know exactly where it is, but it's somewhere in Europe. That's as far as I can narrow it down. And then uh, November 22nd, finish it up at uh, Stade de la Rubine in Vannes, France, against Fiji. So um, not not one of these games is really very easy at all. Uh, and uh, Romania, probably the easiest, and they're always... You know, very, very physical. There was a nice dust-up the last time you played uh, against them, actually. Um, uh, what You've got the All Blacks, first of all, and, and everybody knows that they're heavily favored, heavily favored. How do you approach that, understanding that you've got some players you're hoping to make available, things like that? How do you approach that in, on an emotional uh, sort of a, a pep talk level? And um, and then what do you expect from the games uh, coming up after that? Well, all blacks. I mean, you know, you, you look at it and you can be overwhelmed just by saying, "Hey, you're playing the all blacks. How do you prepare? What are you going to do in a short time together?" You know, for that game. And I think the first and most important thing is going to be is going to be frame of mind of the guys and the frame the frame of mind that the coaching staff creates um for the whole squad and that without question has got to be this is uh, a fantastic opportunity i mean it has to be looked at as opportunity it has to be looked at in, in a real positive frame of mind you know guys this is what players coaches all around the world you know maybe maybe not the the southern hemisphere's teams who play them all the time uh or tier one teams who may tour down there but you know for teams who are in our our, our spot hey, could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for all of us, and we're going to make the most of it. You know, we're going to go for it. We want to leave our guts on the field. We want to earn respect from not only the, the, the All Blacks themselves, but people who are sitting in the stands and watching TV. You know, we want to go out there and play ball, and for us, that's got to be the only goal for this. You know, we can't look at any picture that might be overwhelming or or answer, you know, what do you think the score is going to be? How do you think you're going to do? It's got to be an event that we're going to go after. We're going to enjoy. We're going to play our guts out. We're going to leave everything on the field and have everyone watching and participating respect us. You watch that Munster versus All Blacks game just every once in a while, just chuck it on and say, like, all right. They did it without their boys. They didn't win, but they, they, they certainly – they certainly gave they certainly gave him a bit of a scare, because um, I, I mean, in, you know, we've spoken about how what an amazing performance that was, and you can draw strength from the fact that they put on their pants one leg at a time. They're they're human beings just like everybody else, and there's a natural let up at times, and you can you can really capitalize on that. Yeah, you know, you, you can use a lot of those expressions, and, you know, they're legitimate, you know, they're, they're right. And at the end of the day, is our guys going to be motivated? You know, you, you, I think about our players and, you know, how they approach the game and, and you know, what this game will mean to them. You know, they, they understand what it's about. They understand on the, on the level of opponent, you know, you want to play the All Blacks. You know, you, you want to play them. Um, many opponents come off the field afterwards maybe they didn't want to play them but you know you approach this and i know our guys they want to they'll compete they're not going to back down they're going to have a go and uh you know what you know like you said bruce it's 
you know, it, it's it's men and it's heart and that's it, a big part of the game and it's a big part of sport. And uh, they'll do everything they can. You know, I, I have no doubt about that. In in moving forward to the rest of the, in moving forward to your European leg of the tour, there are three games that you can win, and there's three games you can lose. And how are you approaching it in terms of? This is kind of without giving away the store. This is kind of how we want to play, like, and and. You know, I would imagine territorial ascendancy, and I mean, obviously, you can say all the cliche things. But is there anything that you think that that the USA can bring to the table and say, "All right, we're going to hang our hat on the fact that we know we can do this, and we know we can do this, and we'll be working on these other aspects, but this is going to be what we're going to bring and say, you're going to have to deal with that." First and foremost, you know, like, say when we were coaching the AC, you knew we had a good defense and you knew we had a good scrum. And then the rest of it, you know, we kind of tried to piece together and make do with whatever we could, but you knew you had those things. And then you just but play from there. I think, I think something that we, we did better from, from summer of uh, 20, 2013 to the the summer of 2014 is we've managed the game a little bit better or, or a lot better um, in our, our decision makers. Um, you know, and that's, and that was not getting ourselves into trouble deep in our end. Uh, summer of 2013, when we had that, went that bad spell, you know, we were putting ourselves under a lot of pressure. We were, we were trying to play from everywhere, um, play through phases where we shouldn't have, uh, we didn't have, uh, as good a, a tactical kicking game and array as we we needed to, and we spent a lot of time with our tactical decision makers and 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 our kicking game and and we improved that. Still has work to go, and it'll, it'll always have work to go, but we improved that a lot. And we, you know, if you, if you look at some figures, you know, we we played a lot of we had a territorial advantage a lot. We even had possession advantage a lot. So. We're playing in the right parts of the field, so we want to be better managers of the game. So we want to hang our hat on that. Um, as all teams, we 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 when we hold on to the ball through more phases uh, in the attacking end of the field, we come up with points. Um, you know, we want to we want to hang our hat on that, and we want to have strong defense. You know, we want to hey throw the kitchen sink at us. We're gonna we're gonna absorb it, and you know you were gonna frustrate you. So. Those three things match with a better set piece. Um, you know, those, those are things that are, especially that scrum work, work that we're still trying to improve on, and, um, you know, hopefully we get it better this fall. Uh, you know, I think those things that I mentioned, though, were the things that we really want to do well. In talking to Bales and in talking to you, when you talk, Bales always talks about, hey, winning the arm wrestle. So if they... They may make the game line or they may win the scrum, but we're going to sm- at some point we're going to smack them and we're going to smack them again and we're going to get ourselves on the front foot defensively. And then in speaking to you is the sensible competition at the breakdown, meaning don't chase lost causes, but when you got an opportunity, get in there and create havoc. How hard do you have to work on that? I, I, I think that 
the domestic coaches don't understand that that's where the difference in the game is internationally. Yeah, that, that, that's, that is that, that's huge that's actually they, where the difference is. You know, you, you know, uh, uh, at one point, you don't want to leave ball that's not contested and and leaving it to be quick. You know, you want to get in there, you want to slow it down. Um, you know, you want to cause all kinds of havoc in there in that ruck area. But you know, if if you come to a, a breakdown that's, that's well covered, it's protected, and there's no way you're getting in there to do anything is recognizing that quickly and fanning out and just getting a good line and creating that line of defense where in that next phase you look for the takeaway phase, you look for the big hit phase. So, hey, you know, we can see this one, full line out, line speed, and we'll try to hit you and slow ball down or take ball away in that next phase. So that's really important. You know, that the last series um, of possession for Canada, you know, we're up, they have a deep in their end, uh, I think starting from their five-meter line, there's a, there's a ruck in front of their post. They do a crash ball. We send three or three guys go in, you know, and bang, they have a little overload. They get breathing room out to about the 30. And, you know, it's little things like that. You know, one guy in, if we fan out, you know, they're on their goal line. They're desperate. They're going to do silly things. And, and that was the time, hey, no need to throw everyone in or commit here when we can just spread a line out we got 95 meters of field behind us so yeah it is that decision making and that's that's vital the thing that killed me in that game was and 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 i'm never gonna you know you don't want to place blame on a guy you had a penalty with i don't know a minute to go or whatever it was and at the 25 and soon you'll have kicked it to the 22 and like dude try to put it down a little bit deeper probably would have scored and just like put the lights out in it because your driving wall was going right at the time. Yeah, but... we we actually would have liked to uh, we would like them to get a little more more purchase. You know, sometimes at, at that point, and, and you know, Roland the uh, sorry um, Shalom is a relatively new guy to the test scene, and, and especially at ten. And uh, you know, I, I think at that point he he didn't want to yeah make bring the it line. too far. Yeah, just... Maybe maybe a Wildy or you know someone would have taken a little bit more of a chance, but I think he just wanted to make sure at that point, uh, you know, especially being a new guy to test rugby. Um, but you're right, the, the mall was going well, and uh, it would have been nice to finish it off that way if we could have. Looking ahead to uh, Europe, Mike, do, do you know where you're playing Tonga? Is that common um, knowledge yet? We don't. <laughs> we're still waiting from the IRB. Um, they've had about five different locations. I think they were close to pinning something down. So, somewhere in Europe, though, we've we've narrowed it down to a continent. Definitely in Europe. Yeah. Okay. And definitely That's... in England. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, how, how do you how do you feel about this this entire uh, collection of games? In the end, uh, are you? You know, at some point you're looking at the same boy. You got to play Fiji, and you know, what's my injury list going to look like? And uh, is this going to be tough on you, or are you relishing the chance because you will have to use a lot of different players? You will have to move some players in and out, and and all that stuff. You just, I, I guess, what what I'm thinking of. You just mentioned all that stuff that we see so often with the Eagles, which is a player has played two, three, four games for the Eagles, and he's asked to do something like kick to touch or he's on a break 
and he doesn't do the relaxed, confident thing because he's not been there very often, and he often tries to do the unselfish thing or the very safe thing, and we perhaps need him to push just a little bit further to ensure something goes on. So I guess, are you feeling a little bit nervous about so many games, or do you look at it and say, wow, that's uh, um, that's 320 test match minutes that you have to dole out? Yeah, no, I don't feel nervous. You know, there's nothing you can do about injuries or, or you know, some newbies onto the side. Um, I'm looking forward to the autumn test. You know, I know I know the guys are. They're psyched. It was nice to finish the summer on a winning note. And, um, you know, the, the Japan game was uh, it was an eight-pointer. You know, it was five, five points down near the end. And, um, you know, they're 10 in the world. And, you know, we're playing some teams like that. We're playing Tonga and Fiji, who are up there. You know, I won't. Won't even go into the All Blacks, um, but you know there there's some and playing Romania and Bucharest. Uh, last time we played them, we played one of our best games that that I've had and uh, as coach. Um, but it's not going to necessarily be that easy. So I'm looking forward to it because we get some good young guys who are looking to prove themselves, and uh, you know we we have to start making some steps. The guys coming, Adj McGinty. Um, out, Adj McGinty, Al McFarland, people have had pretty good success domestically. Are they going to factor into the equation moving forward, even if you go 4 and all, well, 3 and 1 more realistically, in the, um, in the Autumn Internationals? Well, I think those two players that you mentioned have, for the last three years have been standout players in the league. Um, you know, they put roots down here in the States um, with Al in New York and Aj starting in New York and then going down to uh, to life. Uh, they've made a commitment. They live here. Uh, they work and go to school here. And they've been standouts in the league. So they'll, they'll definitely get um, they'll definitely get a look when they become eligible in the beginning of next year. Um, you know, they like I said in the beginning of the show, you can never have enough depth and constantly, you know, you, you may think you have three great scrum halves or hookers and, you know, one gets hurt, another gets hurt and bang, you're down to one. I mean, so standout players, they will definitely get their shot. They've earned it. Um, they've worked hard to, to get there. And the, the two guys that you mentioned, will get a, will get a shot. Sure. And the, um, and the last thing is to say, going into next year, what is the the plan? Like, I, I'm not saying the plan. What's the structure of what's going to the lead into the World Cup? Is a February camp or January camp, and then and then how does it work leading into September? How, what if you're an Eagle or a, or a kid who wants to really follow the Eagles, and what are they going to be doing from? Christmas to walking out and flying to England. Well, for the for the Eagles proper, it, it'll start in uh, mid July with the Pacific Nations Cup. So um, they'll have an expanded Pacific Nations Cup in uh, through July, through mid July to the end. Uh, then we'll have some tune-up games for the World Cup. We'll have uh, Canada in the home and away and just working to confirm a third one. So so July and, and August will be pretty busy. We'll, we'll have seven definite games in that span. Um, 
for the domestic guys, we are working on putting something together for uh, for February slash slash March. So um, we had a we had a nice little plan that kind of fell apart when a couple of uh, a couple of teams had to cancel. Um, so it would have given us a couple of good games in in February, but. We we have something that we're working on now that could that could uh, be a nice replacement. But whatever the case is, the domestic uh, eagle pool will have a um, will have a series of games in February or early March. Probably mini mini type of camp in early June as well. The Pacific Nations Cup pushed back to July because of the Olympic qualifier. Uh, no, you know, it was pushed back a while, a while ago. Um, this was talked about in September of last year. Um, and it was more to get in tune with the World Cup, um, to give the guys a bigger break after their, uh, professional European league seasons. You know, so knowing that there was going to be a big build up to the World Cup towards the end of the summer and into the fall, uh, it just gave a bigger break of time for those guys to get some rest. Well, they, that's always been kind of an issue for, we, I was going to say world rugby is sort of a generic term, but world rugby is what IRB wants to be called. Uh, it's been an issue for world rugby because they, they want the time off, but the, there are just these competing needs. So you have a national team that, you have a World Cup that they insist everybody shows up at. You have a national team that wants to prepare for the World Cup. And then... The, those teams need their players available to do that, and yet um, they don't want to. You also don't want to burn out your players going into there. So, um, you know, the the development, uh, the the preparation. I mean, it's got it's got to be a little bit of a headache for you. Yeah, you know, I I, I think that the the Pacific Nations Cup is going to be a, a, a good competition for us because it is. You know, it is in mid to late July, so guys will have gotten a rest. Um, you know, and then the World Cup build-up game. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be bad for us. Um, my my concern is to make sure our domestic guys get some meaningful competition early in the year so they don't go that long stretch without it. And uh, I think we're going to be able to do that um, and get a few good competitive games under their belt. Then they'll have their domestic season, a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a camp. Um so I, you know, I, I like the way 2015 is shaping up, you know, in terms of how uh, how we're looking at it. So the the upshot of this, Mike, is that you're still hiring. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're still looking for players. Uh, there's still positions open for the the World Cup, and um, I mean, in a way, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but um, we want. That we want players to be disappointed. I mean, at some point, we want players to be nervous whether they'll make it or not. And so many years, it's been kind of a sure thing. Players know they're going to be on that. Um, it's going to hopefully be a real battle to get on that World Cup squad. Yeah, I, you know, I remember last World Cup squad um, when we announced it. You know, I think there were, you know, there, there there were maybe two or three guys who thought they might be on it. You know, and it's got to be, if we want to achieve any type of success and, and make progress, uh, it's got to be a hell of a lot more than that. And um, I think it will be. Um, I think there'll be a significant amount of guys who, you know, will be there holding their breath on, on announcement day when that 31 is announced. And, 
you know, it has to be that way. And I think at this point, you know, it's important to say, hey, our core of that World Cup squad, you know, is is moving into place. And right now, you know, if we were a restaurant, we're just looking at some, some wallpaper and some decorations and, you know, putting the final touches on. But the, the essence of our team, I think, is there. Now we've got to put some fine tuning into it. So, you know, those couple of spots that will be earned throughout this fall and, and you know, into next year will be will be the final pieces in the puzzle. And, and there are some good battles out there for it. Yeah, just one softball question to go out on. You know, obviously, Chicago, if, uh, you know, if everybody's looking forward to, if nothing else, the atmosphere, um, it's going to, you know, by all accounts, break the, the domestic uh, single-game record here for a test. What what what's um what what's it going up against? In your time, you've gotten to play some pretty exciting games and some exciting venues. Um, you know, obviously Philly was great. Um, Houston's been great. Sacramento was actually seemed to be pretty cool. I wasn't there, but seemed to be pretty cool from afar. What's what's the uh, the one game or, or venue or atmosphere that uh, Chicago is looking to beat? I think um, you know Philly was really good. That was uh, that was electric. You know, and I think there were some factors that, that came into it. I think the fact that it was definitely sold out, I think that it was a, a crisp night. So, there was, you know, there was some energy versus lethargy in the crowd. I think the promotion, the promoters did a good job, the haka there. Anyone who wears a fern on their chest playing the field brings a buzz. So I think a lot of things added up, and that was, you know, anyone who was there. I know Bruce was there. I'm not sure if you guys were there in person, but... You know, when when the guys came out, I think everyone was just surprised at how much energy the crowd had, and, and it really was a great buzz. So for me, that was the one domestic that was, you know, the one that stood above. But I will say Houston's always done a great job. It's just different in the, in, in Houston in, in the heat. You know, the crowd's a little bit more um, laid back. But what they've done around the game has been fantastic, you know. Great build-up. They do they do it right outside the stadium and into the game. But for, for all those ingredients, that, that Philly night was special. All right. Well, hopefully it'll be a special night uh, at Soldier Field in Chicago. Certainly it sounds like there'll be a lot of noise and a lot of crowd. And that, uh, you know, more than anything else, along with, uh, you know, a hardworking Mike Tolkien, head coach of the U.S. national team. Uh, best of luck, not only with the All Blacks game, but then Romania, Tonga, and Fiji coming afterward. Uh, we appreciate you, and, and best of luck with the ARC, which is coming on before in October. Uh, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on Rugger Matrix America, which is brought to you by uh, Aircraft Charter Solutions, and thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, guys, love, uh, love chatting with you. Hope you'll be back soon. All right, well, that will do it for another edition of Rugger Matrix America. Happy to have Mike Tolkien on the show. Happy to get Pat Clifton back on there. Always happy to have Bruce McLean. My name is Alex Goff, and if you need to check out more of Rugger Matrix America, go to RuggerMatrix.com. Check out the Rugger Matrix International Show. You can also find past shows on iTunes, and, of course, you can check them out on GoffRugbyReport.com. For Rugger Matrix America, this is Alex Goff, thanking you for listening.